Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Today, we are joined by Emily Jensen and Laura Whiffler from Risen Motherhood to talk about gray areas in the Christian life and the role of the personal conscience. Now, I was a bit under the weather for recording this episode, but my very raspy voice is well worth the awesome conversation that we got to have with Laura and Emily. You know, the Bible is clear on a lot of issues, but there's also a lot that falls into the category of gray areas. So we are talking today about how to engage our own personal conscience in these areas that aren't always so clear as we seek to glorify God. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Daily Grace. This is Joanna, and I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie, as always. Hello, everyone. And today, we are super excited because we are joined by some very special guests, Emily Jensen and Laura Whiffler. And hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> so they are the co-hosts of the Risen Motherhood podcast. And I'm super excited. I don't think I told you ladies this, but you're actually the first podcast that I really started listening to. <gasps> no way. And you guys are the reason I found the Daily Grace Co. Yeah. So yeah. thanks for that. Super fun. <laughs> Oh, that's um, but Emily is the content director over at Risen Motherhood, and Laura is the executive director. Um, and Risen Motherhood is a podcast that I know we've recommended in the past. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, and it just talks about motherhood in light of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, we are thrilled to be here. This is so fun. We have kind of watched you guys launch your show and definitely enjoyed the content you guys have already put out. So it's definitely an honor oh. to get to be on the the microphones with you guys. I know. Yeah. We just love the Daily Grace Go too. Yes. And use a lot of the tools and just really, really mm-hmm. appreciate all of the work that this, you know, company and ministry is doing. And so we're excited to join you guys. Mm-hmm. Aw, thank Aww. you so much. That's so kind. Um, yeah, and you guys have some really exciting stuff coming up. So when this episode actually airs, your book will be launching in one week. So <gasps> congratulations on your book. Yay! Thank you. That's kind of crazy to think about kind I know. Of fast forwarding through time. I know. <laughs> I know. The world of podcasting. But <laughs> I had the chance to actually read a couple of chapters at TGC. So I'm going to give you my honest first impression. And oh my. I'm on the edge of my seat here. It was fantastic. Oh, good. Really. Mm-hmm. It was so good. And I pre-ordered it while I was at TGC. Oh, thank <laughs> and you. the cover is stunning. And yeah. And of course, the content is saturated in the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. And do you mind sharing a little bit of like the premise of the book? Of course. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks first for your kind words on the book. We're it's been such a passion project, I think, for Emily and I to mm. bring this uh, thing that was in our minds to life. And so we're so grateful because it it is beautiful. That was a big thing for us mm-hmm. to just have something that moms could feel like is lovely and that they enjoy reading through and looking at the illustrations. And the book in and of itself is really just this message that uh, is the heartbeat of risen motherhood, that the gospel is for every mom and that it mm. matters to her everyday life. And so in the book, we kind of walk a mom through uh, why the gospel matters, why her faith is important, but then we Mm. apply it to just these everyday situations that she faces. And then our hope is that she would walk away feeling really equipped um, and challenged and excited at the end to take her own Mm. unique situations and apply Mm -hmm. the gospel and feel like she can do that without Emily or I kind of whispering in their ears. They can do it on their own. Yeah, I love that. I love the heart behind that. And we're going to link that book in our show notes so that you can actually go and pre-order it Mm -hmm. now so that you will not forget and be sure to get that happy surprise coming in your (laughs) mailbox once it releases. Um, And that is going to be September 3rd, right? That's right. Release day. Very exciting. But... 
you know, I think this is a great conversation to have with the four of us because we're talking about personal conscience today. And and I think it's interesting because we're in very similar life seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a 13-month-old mm-hmm. old Joanna. You're a little bit behind us. Yeah, I've just got one two-year-old. <laughs> but I think it's going to be interesting because we are in similar seasons, but it's true that by the nature of personal conscience, like no two-person will agree on every matter of conscience. Right. So I think that will be seen in today's episode. And actually, I think it'll be helpful to kind of uncover the the gift and the intricacies yeah. of personal conscience. Mm, definitely. So um, could one of you guys start us off by just kind of telling us why is this even important for believers to consider and discuss um, personal conscience, gray areas in life, and why does it matter? Yeah, the, the conscience is a wonderful thing to learn and grow in understanding of because it really impacts almost every single one of our daily decisions. You know, we know that the Bible is applicable to all people over all times in every era, but it doesn't necessarily spell out exactly what we're supposed to do minute by minute. You know, it's not something we can flip through and say, what what should I feed my kids this morning, a big or small breakfast? Um, That's not (laughs) going to be found in there. And so our conscience, you know, it's one of those things that um, it will help inform our decisions. And there are Mm. thousands of tiny decisions that we have Mm -hmm. to make each day. And in themselves, they're really morally neutral, but Mm -hmm, we don't always have clear answers for how those should play out. And so understanding how the conscience informs those decisions is really, really helpful um, as we go about our days and and make these choices. And secondly, I think that it can help us come to an understanding for maybe unexplained guilt or feelings that we have in Mm -hmm. our lives. So um, when we're making choices and decisions, sometimes we feel bad about them and we don't really know why, right? Mm -hmm. We're thinking, Mm -hmm. oh, why do I feel bad when I listen to that music or when I read that book or um, when I said that thing or when I wear that shirt and understanding like your motivations and your conscience really help us understand what's underneath those feelings Mm -hmm. and um, help us to, to maybe have freedom from feeling like a failure or feeling anxious or worried about the choices that we make. It just gives us confidence when we understand how the conscience Mm -hmm. plays into the things that um, we're choosing to do and engage in. Yeah. Mm. I think another thing we've kind of seen as we've done our ministry is that matters of conscience are often more visible things. You know, Mm -hmm. if you are at a play date with some other moms or you're at a church function or you're at a community event, you can often look around and see what types of clothes people are wearing. Maybe you can see what type of food they're putting in their mouth, what they're holding in their hands. Um, Maybe the types of uh, things that they say to their children, or maybe they've got a book tucked in their bag and you can see what they're reading um, Mm. or hear them as they talk about what types of things they like to spend money on. And so Mm. it's something that's very visible. And because of that, um, we see that in the church, and actually we're kind of teasing what we'll get to later, there can be disunity around these Mm -hmm. things because there's something yeah. you can immediately kind of grab onto and make a judgment about why somebody's doing that. And wow, that's different than what we read to our kids, or I would never wear mm-hmm. that shirt. And so that's another reason it's really important to understand what is a matter of conscience versus maybe what's something that's, you know, more absolutely clear, this is the will yeah. of God, or this is a bib- biblical command, because we don't want to have disunity among believers. Mm-hmm. And we want to mm-hmm. be able to love others, even that aren't in the family of God really well and know that God is in control and he is mm. everyone's, you know, judge. So mm. there's a lot of really important everyday things where conscience is involved. Right. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I know that for me, when I first really thought about this topic, it all kind of felt new. Mm-hmm. Like we yeah. don't really talk about this very much. No. But you know, as I hear you talking, I think about like oh man, this kind of gives us some logic behind like the mommy wars. Yeah, you know? exactly. And like, hopefully this will help us to be able to kind of step out of that really destructive kind of cycle that mm-hmm. we get into yeah. with other moms or with other believers, whatever it may be. So do you think that you could kind of just give us 
an explanation of what the conscience actually is? Sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to describe it, but kind of really boiling it down in language that most of us can understand. It's what we believe is right or wrong. It's kind of our moral compass is probably Mm -hmm. the way that our culture would say it. Um, Laura and I both read this book that we thought was really, really helpful, and it's called Conscience, What It Is, How Mm -hmm. to Train It, and Loving Those Who Differ by Andrew Nassali and J.D. Crawley. And so um, at least what we're going to share, I think, about it really comes from that book because they actually go through every verse in the New Testament Mm -hmm. and look at every time the word conscience is used and how it's used and what the implications of it are. So if you're looking for yeah. an even better mm-hmm. summary, like we would direct you there. And I will say that Stephanie and I got the chance to read that too. Yeah. And oh, good. We've really enjoyed it. It's been super, super helpful. So we'll definitely link that in our show notes for everybody too. Yes. And they have a kid's book. So if you want to uh, yes. talk to your kiddo oh. about it, it's called That Little Voice in Your mm-hmm. Head. And that's been really fun to read with our kids yeah. too. Okay. Our kids love it. Um, awesome. Okay, so what is conscience? Mm-hmm. So the the book really just says um, three or four things about it. One is that it's something all humans have as image bearers mm. of God. Mm. Um, so believer, non-believer, we all have something inside of us that kind of leads us to feel like, ooh, this is right or this is wrong. Um, Mm. additionally, it's a gift from God. So Mm. sometimes we can think of the feeling inside of us that makes us feel guilt or uncomfortable, like doesn't feel very good, but it's actually something that can lead us towards God, or it can help us evaluate the decisions we're making or protect Mm. us from danger. Um, additionally, it's personal. And I think this is important because sometimes we think of, right or wrong has more of a corporate category, but for our Mm. conscience, it's really about us as an individual as we're navigating experiences and desiring to obey God. And finally, uh, the book mentions that it's imperfect, which is, Mm. again, another really important thing for us to consider. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Word of God, um, Mm. although it can be shaped by the Word of God, which we'll get into more, and Mm -hmm. we do want to listen to it as it's informed by Scripture, We're also human. We're fallen and we're sinners. And so our conscience is also has the tendency to lead us astray. So it's not Mm. it's not God and it's not our ultimate Mm. um, guide. So those are just a few initial touch points about conscience. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to distinguish it from the Holy Spirit. For a long time, I think that I felt like, well, anytime I feel guilt, that must be a Yeah. from the Holy Spirit that must be conviction. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is something that I think is really important that we differentiate those two things, recognizing mm-hmm. that our conscience is still human and it's still sin ridden. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where, you know, what we're going to talk about today, we can evaluate those feelings and to know, do I need to change or do I not um, mm-hmm. based on God's word and what true conviction from the Holy Spirit is. So I think that's just a really important point. And, and one other thing is that I love DA Carson calls it a delicate spiritual organ. And I always thought that Mm. was really helpful to Mm. think of each person having this um, delicate, meaning it can easily be swayed or changed. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's spiritual. It points us to God and him. And and that's that's where it should point us towards. So Mm -hmm. um, that's another way of thinking of it. Yeah. And and those distinctions are so helpful because I think, like you said, we can kind of tend to think, well, this is the Holy Spirit and everybody's conscience should line up. Yes. Mm -hmm. And man, that just makes us be so black and white. And it can cause us to really fight over issues, like you said, that can cause disunity over things that really don't need to be fought over. So I think that the that distinction of, hey, this is not the Holy Spirit. And also it differs from person to person is really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think my personality likes to be black and white. Uh And realizing that there are so many gray areas in our yeah. lives. And and that kind of makes me uncomfortable. So knowing we were going to talk about this, I and I read the book, I was really wrestling with it. Like, okay, it's not as black and white. And you know, mm-hmm. and that was God's design. And, it, and he has given us the gift of our conscience mm-hmm. to kind of guide us through. And so you kind of hinted at it of what shapes or can change our conscience. Can you um, talk more about kind of Um, what can positively shape our conscience and what can negatively maybe inform it? Sure. Yeah, I think um, in terms of negative, I mean, certainly like the culture around us can inform what we think is right or wrong. So this can Mm -hmm. be the secular culture. 
So Mm -hmm. this is perhaps the influencers that we follow on social media, (laughs) uh, looking at how they dress, what diets they follow, how they decorate their house, what ideas they approve of or disapprove of. So we're definitely influenced by the time and the world that we live in. And perhaps even whether you live in a rural area or an urban area Mm -hmm. and what the, the people in that community think is right or wrong, and even the Christian culture around us, right? So whatever mm-hmm. friends you're around in your church bubble, is everybody schooling a certain way, or mm-hmm. they all are dressing a certain way or reading thir- certain things, that can begin to inform what we think is right or wrong and how our conscience yeah. is responding. Um, I think another one that's been helpful for me to consider is how background and upbringing can influence our conscience, um, yeah. both mm-hmm. positively, but also negatively, when maybe we take a house rule or uh, an expectation that our parents had and then we walk around through the rest of our adult life with that. Um, so like leaving your bed unmade might be an example <laughs> of if you grew up feeling like, wow, I can never step out of my room without making my bed as an adult. Mm. Are you totally free to leave your bed unmade? <laughs> sure, <laughs> you can, but you may yeah. really struggle with this guilty feeling of man, why do I feel like that's wrong at a deep Mm. level? Well, it may have something to do with your upbringing. So those are just Mm -hmm. a couple things. Yeah. Marriage will really bring that out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And one other thing I think, too, that that does shape our conscience is just our sin. You know, when we're not living Mm -hmm. in obedience to God, sometimes we have – we've numbed our conscience or almost desensitized it in our ability to discern truth. So we want to point out, too, they can be – they can be shaped in positive or negative ways. And over time, these things build on one another. So our upbringing from when we're little children all the way until now, like there are a million things that have shaped your conscience to make it feel the way it feels today as you interact with the world around you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ideally, your conscience would be shaped by the word of God and informed as you read over the course of time, you know, everything about his word and think deeply about how to interpret it and how to apply it. And then you do that in a community of other believers can really help, um, help you discern how that works out in your everyday life. Um, I know Laura and I, as we were prepping for this show, we're also just talking about the value of some of the boundaries that a local church can give, even Mm -hmm. on maybe secondary issues where, yeah, there might be some dispute among Christians in general, but man, my Mm -hmm. local body does have more boundaries that bring even more clarity and more information about how I'm going to live, you know, kind of under the authority of my local church. So all of those things can be helpful in shaping our conscience. I think that's a really good point that our family values and rules could kind of be elevated to, okay, these are like moral rights and wrongs. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, totally. Man, when I like realized that, I like seriously like had to repent because Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. many times have I judged someone else because I've elevated something beyond what it should Mm be? Right. That's a super important important point. Something that Emily and I have sort of gone around and around over as we've talked about this just in our personal relationship, uh, you know, as she was kind of saying that there can feel like there might be these two main categories. And the church has historically divided up sometimes into three categories. And there Mm -hmm. is some discussion among believers about how exactly all this plays out. But for today's show and sort of the way Emily and I kind of think about it is that there are two Mm -hmm. main categories. There's God's uh, will as he's revealed it to us. There is biblical commands. And Mm -hmm. this has just come through, um, you know, exegesis, just hard one studying the scriptures, understanding what God's word says. And then there are these other areas of Christian liberty and, Um, those are the things that you would call kind of a matter of conscience that Paul talks about in Romans 14, that these are sometimes referred to as disputable matters or matters that um, people can come to different conclusions on. So like Romans 14, what were they disagreeing over? They were talking about, well, what food should we eat? What festivals should we celebrate? And uh, Paul was basically saying like, hey, stop arguing about those things because they're not like, they're not worth the Mm. arguments. They're not fighting over like, if somebody disputes Jesus Christ's death and resurrection from the dead, like that's Mm. worth discussion. That's worth going deeper into, but, um, saying what should we eat? What should we wear? Uh, because of Jesus's death and resurrection, purchasing our freedom. Like we don't have to fight over those things, but understanding what falls into which bucket is very, very Mm -hmm. important as a believer, Mm -hmm. because you can't say, well, 
you know, some of what God's commands are to love my neighbor, to love God, like that's a disputable matter. You know, that, that, that's not, that's something that um, is not a matter of opinion. That's God's command to us. And so we don't get to choose whether or not we're going to lie, whether or not we're going to speak harshly, whether or not we engage in sexual immorality. Um, Those are not gray areas for the Christian. So Mm -hmm. that's something we want to make sure we're, we're uh, clear yeah. about and it doesn't become like, well, anything, anything goes or you do you. That's right. not mm-hmm. what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. And I think our culture is really at risk for that because yeah. uh, if a listener is living in the United States or a Western culture, we are so individualistic. And so mm-hmm. find your own truth and whatever works for you is yeah. good. And so I think a, a danger in this conversation, and sometimes perhaps if I wonder why this hasn't been talked about a lot, is because it can feel a little bit like, well, aren't you just giving everybody a free pass? Yeah, a free pass mm-hmm. to, to explain mm-hmm. away truth. And we would say, absolutely not. And yeah, yeah. we will see in other parts of scripture that Paul really tells us to hold fast to yeah. good doctrine and to be very careful that we're not swept away by false teaching and to mm-hmm. guard the truths of the gospel and also to to use our time well on earth to understand what the will of the Lord is and to do mm-hmm. it. And so there's yeah. definitely not license for, man, just throw doctrine out the window, mm-hmm. just right. do whatever yeah. you want. Right. Um, there yeah. is still this major implication that we are laying down our rights, loving our neighbor, doing what glorifies God, holding fast to truth, all of those things are still critical in this conversation. Yeah. Well, you know, this issue of conscience, um, you know, you're talking about it can be flawed, you know, it can it can have issues. So should we trust it? <laughs> can we always trust it? Like, should we be afraid of this? Kind of what are some ways that it can be flawed? And when do we need to say, yes, I trust my conscience? And should there be a time when we say, well, no? Yeah, it's a very valid question. And, um, you know, the answer is yes, our conscience is flawed. And should we always trust it? No, but should we always check it and listen to Mm. it? Yes. Again, going back to kind of Romans 14, Paul talks a little bit about weak or overly sensitive consciences. And um, he has other words for these like um, defiled Mm -hmm. conscience, a clean one, um, things like that. He he refers to them in a lot of different ways. But, you know, we have to remember that, again, our upbringing is shaping our conscience. And so maybe the way that we're, we're feeling is um, we don't need to be feeling that way. So what you want to do is stop and pause and just um, say, does that align with God's word? Like I'm feeling guilt right now and say that I've passed the iPad to my kids and I'm feeling guilt about passing that iPad. And um, you can ask yourself, well, is it okay for me to give my kids the iPad? And the Bible doesn't say iPad anywhere in it. Again, you can't go there, but you can see that God talks about loving our children and serving our Mm. children and that we're to Mm. lay down our lives for our friends and for our neighbors and our children, our neighbors. And so um, we can think in that moment, like, am I using this iPad as a crutch to Mm -hmm. get out of loving my children because they're frustrating me? Or am I using this iPad as a way for me to be productive and get some things done and I haven't overused it? Um, And so, so much of that goes back to just saying like, what is God called me to do? How can I faithfully live in this moment? And maybe you feel guilt because like you're using it in a good way, but like, you know, you've been hearing all these moms talking about how iPads are horrible. And so Mm, that guilt and your conscience firing in that moment is actually misplaced. And so we can preach the gospel to ourselves, thinking about what God's word says, Mm. and then walk in freedom and hand that iPad over and, and know that it's okay that my child's engaging with this for a healthy amount of time that I'm monitoring it and still caring for their needs and loving them um, as a mom. And I'm just using one of God's common graces in our lives that he's, he's offered us to be able to use this tool in our families. Yeah. I think that's something we've talked about a lot in our ministry on our show and that we address in our book because something we see permeating the the culture around us, even Christian culture, and specifically moms, which is who we work with a lot, is this overwhelming sense of guilt mm-hmm. about every decision that's being every made. Every little decision. And, and looking mm. at everything from every angle and, and analyzing, is this okay? Is this not okay? And a lot of times, again, these aren't, uh, no one's analyzing whether or not I shouldn't say no one. Very few people are analyzing (laughs) whether or not, you know, they should commit adultery. But a lot of people Mm. are struggling with what kind of snack I should give my children. And so we want to invite moms that in the gospel, the good news is you don't have to be afraid of that guilty feeling. 
Actually, that can prompt you to examine what's in your heart before the Lord and experience mm. freedom. Mm. There is freedom yeah. Yeah. at the at the bottom of that examination, even if what you find down there is sin and brokenness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there is good news for that. And so we just yeah. want to really encourage that if if someone is feeling repeated guilt or discomfort over a decision, that the answer to that isn't to just stuff it down right. or ignore it. And yeah. another example we want to bring up is because like we said, you may find that you're sinning over and over again, and that can actually desensitize. You know, let's say somebody who uh, feels at liberty to to drink alcohol, drinks a glass of wine occasionally, and they start doing that maybe during the day when no one is around. And at first, it's they do have that kind of guilty feeling, but then over time, they start to sear their consciences mm-hmm. repeatedly, and it becomes more and more and more until it's something that's really, you know, a hard problem to get out of and mm-hmm. to really talk mm-hmm. to someone about. And so we just want to encourage as well that that can really prevent a lot of heartache and a lot of getting really mm-hmm. far down a path of sin when you yeah. listen right away and turn yeah. while it's still a little bit easier and the consequences are maybe not as great. Mm. Yeah, I think sometimes we think of guilt and we just think it's a negative thing and something to avoid or automatically assume that it's sin, that that's why we're feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hearing you talk, it really makes it evident that our conscience is a gift um, that could lead to joy. You know, God g- gave it to us to, you know, be a... Um, a boundary against sin and mm-hmm. and an opportunity to obey and then experience joy. And so mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. It leads to freedom, not mm-hmm. um, restriction. Really. Well, yeah. and it's just yeah. that reminder that, you know, as we are, you know, maybe we hear the this conscience, this we have this guilty feeling and we kind of think, I don't want to have to deal with that, totally. you know. That means I would be have to follow all these rules and all of this. But just the reminder that, you know, if we are in our sin and that we are not responding to our conscience, we're in bondage to our sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's no freedom mm-hmm. at all. It mm-hmm. might look like freedom, um, you know, from our standpoint or from the viewpoint of the world, but true freedom is being freed from the power of mm-hmm. sin. Amen. And our consciences are a gift to help us to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the great thing is, is that our conscience can change. You know, I mean, yeah. we're saying, yeah. we're talking a little bit about how it can desensitize, but it can also assimilate more closely to God's word. And so right. what's great is that, hey, I'm feeling this misplaced conscience with the iPad or maybe the shirt that I'm wearing or whatever. And I don't, I've just searched God's scriptures and I've determined, oh, I actually don't need to feel guilt about these, mm-hmm. you know, three or four things that I'm carrying around and I'm burdened by, and we're embracing the freedom that the gospel brings. And slowly over time, like say, say you're wearing a tank top and you feel like in today's era and today's culture and where I live, like it is okay on those hundred degree Iowa days <laughs> that I put on a tank top. You know, previously though, you had been maybe raised that that, that wasn't okay or for mm-hmm. whatever reason, your conscience fires whenever you think about or wear a tank top, but you come to God's word, you've determined that it's okay, but you're probably going to feel kind of uncomfortable wearing that tank top the first one, two, three, four times, you know, your Mm. conscience is kind of saying, Hey, 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 something, something's off here. But we know like, cause, because you have sought God's word that you prayed, you've talked with fellow Christians that are wise and can invest in your life. Like, you know, that there's freedom to be able to wear this item Mm -hmm. of clothing. Like you can retrain your conscience Mm -hmm. to not feel guilt and experience that freedom from the gospel, but it does take time. It's not an overnight change. And so Mm -hmm. that's something though, that I think is so encouraging because I know there've been a lot of things in motherhood in particular that I have felt like, oh, I have to sleep train my child this way. I have to feed them Mm. this way. I have to nurse to a year. I have to swaddle them with, you know, a thousand dollar swaddle because it's the (laughs) best one or whatever. And you feel like that's the right way. You know, you feel like you're going to be a good mom because you did that. But then you realize over time that like, no, those things don't they don't qualify mm. me as a good mom before the cross. And, yeah. but you mm. still feel kind of uncomfortable letting your child cry it out or co-sleep or whatever mm-hmm. it is where you're at with sleep training. And so I just want to encourage the mom who is trying to press into those feelings, particularly of misplaced guilt, that um, to know that it may take some time to move your conscience toward a place that is at peace with some of these new decisions. But God is faithful and he will do that and he will honor that as you seek him and preach the gospel to yourself. And that's such an important distinction between 
oh, I'm just going to ignore what my conscience is saying. And hey, this might be uncomfortable, but the word of God says yes. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. There are going to be those moments where we can um, fall back to those family values or what we what right. we think is good, what culture tells us is good and right and mm. loving. And um, there are enough principles in the word yes. of God to mm-hmm. direct me forward and mm-hmm. living my life out. Um, so I, I think I'm hearing you say that to strengthen kind of our conscience, we should go to the word of God. You mentioned prayer. Um, are there any other kind of things that we could do um, to strengthen our conscience? Yeah, just a another note for those who might be married. I know that when I, I wouldn't say so much strengthening my conscience, but in getting clarity, mm-hmm. talking with my husband and getting yeah. on the same page with him mm-hmm. and understanding what where we're both unified and how yeah. we both see ourselves glorifying God as a family, how we see ourselves giving thanks to God as a family and living out the mission that he's called us to is really helpful for me. Um, I know something that I struggled with when I was making the transition from being, you know, kind of a full-time stay-at-home mom to unexpectedly transitioning into a ministry role and then kind of a part-time working role and Mm -hmm. deciding to write a book. Like I had, you know, some conscience issues that I had to work through on that. And it really, really helped me to know that, When I was on the same page with my own husband and I was, you know, submitting to his authority as we were discussing together and we were Mm -hmm. unified in that, it helped me in those moments where I would struggle and feel guilt and go, ooh, am I doing the wrong thing to, to say, you know, one, there's the word of God that I could speak to myself Two, that there's people in my life through my local church who would help speak into that, speak truth into that. And three, like my husband is supportive and he's a godly mm-hmm. man and he will tell me mm-hmm. if he will help me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he will say something yeah. if there's something out of line here. So yeah. I think that that marriage, if you know you're you're married to someone, especially that's seeking the word of God, can be a real gift mm-hmm. to help um speak freedom because they see our most intimate struggles and they see some of the things that maybe we believe we were brought up with the culture around us and they're able to help us say yes but you know we are one flesh and i'm telling you that this is okay with me it's just some great freedom there for those who are married Mm -hmm. well i'm struck as both of you are talking about just the beautiful opportunity we have for growth for intimacy. You know, I think if God just gave us a whole list of rules and you must do this, you must do that, man, I don't know if we would seek after him mm-hmm. like we would now. Right. And even with our relationships, like you said, with a spouse or with, um, you know, members of our local church, what a great opportunity for us to go deeper with each other, to develop relationships with each other, and maybe to actually think about something that maybe wasn't on our radar, Mm -hmm. you know, an area of conscience that we hadn't thought about. And, you know, I think, I don't know about you guys, but my tendency is to want to have all the knowledge, all of it, Mm -hmm. and then I'll be good. And God doesn't do that, which is kind of super frustrating. And (laughs) it makes this this issue of gray areas really hard. But I mean, if he gave me all the knowledge, I think I would just maybe read the Bible once and kind of stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I'd go to him in prayer as much. I wouldn't wrestle with those things. And so I do see how, you know, our lack of knowledge is God's good gift to us. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Laura, he promises to give us wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, and that we can um, go to him for the wisdom to make decisions based on the knowledge that he has given for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laura and I have been talking about that a lot recently about how much we often just want a handbook. Exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, just tell me, just give me yeah. the rules, just give me the formula. And, you know, we can go straight to the word and read yeah. Leviticus. Like God gave his people yeah. all the rules and he mm-hmm. laid out every iota of everything they needed to do. <laughs> and guess what? They had a handbook and they didn't follow it. And, yeah, then, and so, so I think true. there's this reality that, like you're saying, it's really about our relationship with him, mm-hmm. our dependence yeah. with him, our looking to him in faith. That's really, we haven't gotten to this yet, but that's also in those popular passages on conscience in Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 10, talks about, you know, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So really, mm-hmm. this is about our faith and how we're looking to God and whatever it is that we're doing. It's not about following a set of rules that God has given us to to a T because we can't. And that's Mm -hmm. why Christ did that on our behalf. And it's a free gift 
by faith. And our response to that is this life that's lived for him and Mm -hmm. not for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I know that you ladies mentioned Romans chapter 14 earlier, and I have just really gained so much from studying that chapter. Mm -hmm. It's such a practical chapter. Even though it doesn't give us black and white rules, it's like, man, this really gets into how to deal with real life, like real life scenarios. And, you know, one thing that it talks about is the idea that our consciences are going to be different, but that we still have to follow our own conscience. And so what is the big deal with violating our conscience, with going against our conscience if it's not a moral issue? When we... Uh, act against our conscience uh, as a believer, especially there are emotional and spiritual consequences for that. So looking at that Romans 14 passage in Romans 14, 15, we see that we can grieve the Holy Spirit inside of us. Mm -hmm. Um, In Romans 14, 17 through 18, we see there can be this lack of peace and joy in our spirit. Romans 14, Mm -hmm. 21, uh, we can be further hindered or weakened in our faith. And so- It's just not a good idea or a good thing that like if we have not yet worked out why something is okay um, with truth and sound thinking and the help of others, and we're still just really not clear, it is much better to act according to your conscience than it Mm. is to violate your conscience when you're not really sure or settled yet about that issue. Um, it's just really important because uh, the Bible also talks about us wanting to come before God with a clear conscience. Mm -hmm. And so if we're kind of in our minds or in our hearts feeling like, ooh, you know, I've I've really let my children eat some things. I'm not really sure I should be letting them eat. I feel like I wore a dress to this outing with my husband that just felt really inappropriate. Like we're going to carry those things with us, you know, as we're having even a relationship with God and a relationship with others. Now we're made righteous before the throne. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves, but also like it is better to not have to carry that around with us Mm -hmm. if we have not worked out why the thing that we did may be okay. Mm. Yeah. And if we don't work it out or deal with it, uh, sometimes it it's not okay, you know, like we've kind of yeah. continued to talk about. And so then your conscience goes back to that numbing or being desensitized. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that, you know, we keep talking about how this conscience is such a good gift from God. And it's, it's really um, connected in a spiritual sense to us. And so that's where we always want to listen to it because to not stop and just say, okay, why is it going off? Why do I feel like the alarm bells are going? Then we may miss major areas of sin and, um, or maybe they're really minor areas in in some senses that become major. Mm -hmm. Like Emily said, you know, you don't go straight to, um, you know, adultery or, you know, repeated lying or major covetousness, you don't go straight to like the extremes of those things. Mm -hmm. It starts with a small white lie. You know, it starts Mm -hmm. with maybe watching a show that has a little bit um, too much promiscuity and we're not Mm -hmm. kind of dealing with that. You know, it's a slow fade. Uh, It's a slippery slope down those Mm -hmm. things though. And so if you you are not listening to your conscience, you may not catch those things. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, in that chapter, Romans 14, I feel like there's like a mic drop moment. In there, it's like the second half of verse 23, where Paul says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, man, Mm -hmm. that changes everything. Because that means that, like, let's say that Stephanie and I are both thinking about the example you gave of sleep training our kids. And Stephanie is like, I am 100% cool with cried out. And I'm like, that is (laughs) a moral (laughs) sin, which... I'm not saying that either of these represent our personal views. All hypothetical. All hypothetical. (laughs) Everything on this show. But that means that if we both let our kids cry it out, I would be sinning Mm -hmm. because I was violating my own conscience, even though we're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which to me was like absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I am one who thinks there's kind of a right and there's a wrong and there's kind of no gray area. And so, yeah, we... If, if we violate our conscience just because somebody else says it's not a problem, then, man, we're actually continuing to live in sin because we're not living out of faith. Mm-hmm. We're not living 
for God's glory. We're not doing it in honor of the Lord, right? As Paul Mm -hmm. tells us in Romans 14. And so I think that kind of puts a lot more weight on our conscience and also puts more weight on the need to be always going back to God's word Mm -hmm. to allow it to shape our conscience. Mm -hmm. It was mind blowing for me to think, okay, two people could be doing the exact same thing, yet one could be sinning and one not. Mm-hmm. But that's God's grace in a way because it's like we're going to continue growing and learning mm-hmm. about him and being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And Well, yeah, and I, I think that's where we can kind of – we can extend that grace to others. You know, as, mm-hmm. I, as we think about um, what a gift and mercy it is that God grows us in holiness over time and that he – offers grace for our own sin, our own blind spots, our own errors. Um, For me, it's been a huge awakening to like how much I shouldn't be judging other people Mm, and how often I do. And I impose my conscience on other people, Mm, not God's word and commands. And I hold them to the standard that I would hold, you know, oh, this is, this is God's command you need to follow. I hold my, the gray areas to that same standard for other people and how, um, I think it's just such a gift from God to know that, okay, I have to be faithful with what he has handed me today and what he has revealed to me today and um, the, the amount of faith that I have right now and today, even though I want more and I, I'm praying for God to reveal more of himself to me, this is where I am today and I know it's imperfect. And I can trust that, you know, Emily or another woman, another another mom, another woman that's living out her life faithfully is like going to answer to the Lord for herself. Yeah. And I don't yeah. answer for their actions and I don't answer for Emily's actions. I just answer for me. And so I think that can give enormous unity in the church as we kind of sharpen one another like iron to grow towards God's word and to understand that like we're all kind of on different spots of the of the graph or the the bar graph or yeah. whatever I'm like reaching um, towards God's commands and will. And we can be gracious with other people as um, maybe they're not in the same spot as us. And there are times that maybe our conscience is clear and free. And again, Romans 14, we just love that chapter. We yeah. keep going back to it. <laughs> so good. Um, Paul talks about how, you know, sometimes you're going to make adjustments or changes because someone has a weaker conscience than you. Mm-hmm. And you may feel free and clear, let's say, to have a glass of wine in the evening, but you have a friend who doesn't feel like that's okay. It would be best for you and, and most loving for you to refrain from drinking that glass of wine, even though you feel freedom in the gospel because you want to love your fellow sister in Christ. Well, I think what you're getting at, which is what Johanna, the flip side to what Joanna was saying is that we don't want to bind someone else's yeah. conscience either. Mm-hmm. And in that um, two people can be doing the same thing and one person is not doing it from faith. The other person is. We have to be cautious that we're not taking our own personal freedoms um, in these, you know, gray areas, matter of opinion, and then holding other people yeah. to it. And and we also see in other parts of, of Romans, we see that our, um, our freedom in Christ is not meant to be used as an opportunity for the flesh or as an opportunity for sin. Or um, I know Laura and I have talked in the past about like, okay, well, if we're free and like any food is clean and we can feed our kids whatever we want, like why ever feed them healthy food? Like why wouldn't you just get them whatever is the easiest thing? And it was Chicken a little- nuggets every day. Yeah, yeah. Like, why, <laughs> like why would we go to any work? And, and the answer to that in scripture is, is right there. It's clear because mm-hmm. we're also called to love and to lay down yeah. our lives. And that's what Laura was getting at really well, which is then when we are in the body of Christ and we are in situations with other believers where they don't feel freedom, we may feel freedom. We should be um, kind and gentle to them to treat them the way that we would want to be treated if the roles were reversed, to not make them feel guilty or shamed for um, maybe some of the choices that they're making um, as as they're working through that. And these things can be highly emotional. I think we're mm-hmm. saying, yeah, these are matters of opinion, mm-hmm. but these Ooh, can... Nelly. Whoa. Go in the yeah. babysitter forums. Yeah, you're talking about the mommy wars. Like, these are things yeah. people can feel deeply passionate yeah. about. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it doesn't mean conversations are off limits or questions are off limits or that we can't work with one another to try to understand better what someone else is doing and why they're making the choice that they're making. But... When it is something, as Paul says at the beginning of Romans 14, this is a matter of opinion. Let's not, let's not uh, have disunity over it. We really do want to yield 
um, maybe some of our rights or our freedoms that we feel like yeah. we deserve to yeah. have to love them where they're at. When I think about the language that Paul uses in that passage, he says, hey, for what he calls like the stronger brother who has more freedoms, you know, a stronger Mm -hmm. conscience in that sense. He says, don't despise the weaker brother. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, don't look down on him, belittle him, or in our case, her maybe for for thinking, oh, man, they are just immature. They have too many rules. They're too strict, whatever. And then on the flip side, if your conscience prohibits something that your brother or sister's conscience allows, it says don't judge them, mm-hmm. you know, and or condemn them. Right. Yeah. It's not this idea of, you know, oh, we can never make judgments about what's sin and what's not. But in these areas that are not clearly prohibited in scripture, like that's not up to us to judge, right? Because our consciences do differ. And it's so sticky, I feel like, when it comes to real life relationships. Because you're right, it can be very emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think in that passage, you know, Paul was saying like, everyone's trying to do things unto the Lord, you know? They're mm-hmm. trying to glorify God and whatever they think is right or, you know, what their conscience is informing them to in a way to glorify God. And in that passage, it does say like, don't judge because, Laura, like you said, we're all going to give account, our, our own account, you know, before him for the decisions that we have made and and let him be the judge. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to take that place of of judging others. And so I, I love that because we're talking about how the local church can strengthen our conscience, but the local church could be a place where consciences can kind of conflict <laughs> oh, and sure. there's yeah. an opportunity to divide and fight over things. Um what what would you say about that? Like in your local church, even how could we guard against allowing our consciences to be um, friction points or or points where we can be unloving just from our flesh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I th- I think first of all, it's it's one reason why it's so important to be at a church that is kind of gospel centered or is preaching the gospel, is preaching from the word every week, and that the body and the people in that community may not be alike in all the minutiae of their decisions, but that everyone is striving together and is committed to saying, Mm -hmm. let's talk about Christ. Let's try to understand more about who He is. Let's understand more about what the good news has to do with our everyday lives. Let's meet together and study Scripture, or let's meet together and have fellowship with one another and talk and think about these things, because I think it's when we are sitting with other believers who may be different than us, but we're both talking about the Word of God. We're both talking about the good news. We're both trying to understand how that works out, that we see we're really not that different. Mm -hmm. Um, We are both sinners in need of a Savior. We're both Mm -hmm. suffering in different ways. We're both um, Mm -hmm. seeing God's blessing, and we're both grateful for things. And I think it's just a real humbling experience and it can just be really amazing to see it. Like I may be sitting in a Bible study with a woman that I don't have anything else visibly in common with other than mm-hmm. we're both a woman and we're both at this Bible study <laughs> at our church. But then as sisters in Christ and as we're discussing the beauty of what God has done for us in Jesus, we have all of this in common, mm-hmm. right? We're, yeah. wow, we're in the same family and we're, we're striving towards the same end. And then I think from that starting point, it becomes easier to have these other conversations in relationship where we ask each other, well, how did you get to that conclusion? Or, you know, tell me more about that. And I think like now, you know, Laura and I are to a point in our relationship where we can really ask each other and and have like harder conversations mm. about mm. our conscience and about where we're getting to answers for things because we have the foundation of the gospel. So mm. I, it, I, yeah, I just feel like... Yeah. Instead of immediately focusing on the divisions to focus on where are we unified, let's build some relationship there, and then we can have some of these more (laughs) passionate conversations. (laughs) Well, so much goes back, too, to just having your identity rooted in Christ. You know, a lot of these are identity questions of um, when it comes to interacting with other people and feeling like they have different opinions and you have different opinions of how things should play out and what Bible study you should do and what songs you should sing and how Bible study should be structured and how do you do childcare and all of those things Mm -hmm. that, yeah, become really hot button topics in the church. But, you know, if, if you are secure in your identity in Christ and it's not placed in, oh, that we do the right Bible study this, this spring or that, you know, this woman likes me and accepts me or the cool kids club, I'm in it or whatever 
whatever it is, um, then I think you can walk with just so much more security and freedom uh, within whatever communities you're in because your emotions and your um, the way that you respond and the way that you feel and where your joy is found is not riding on other people and their mm-hmm. sinful selves. It's resting in the grace that God has given to you. And so I love what Emily's saying. Like, basically she's saying like, let Jesus be enough, you know, yeah. cause he is, he, he yeah. is always more than sufficient for us. And so if we can just rest in that fact in our hearts, be at peace in that, then I think a lot of these issues can go away because we can, um, I think of Hudson Taylor, you know, he was one of the first missionaries to China who, who assimilated in his dress and his hair and, um, the way that, the way that he lived and everybody thought he was super weird, you know, because he wasn't acting British. He was acting Chinese. Um, but he was actually incredibly effective for the God gospel because he was willing to say, you know, I don't have to, um, you know, even have any ties to my upbringing or these things that my comforts or the things that I love, because those are worthless compared to sharing the gospel with these people. And so how do I best love them and reach them? Well, I can give up a lot of my rights and Mm -hmm. I can assimilate and look more Chinese for these people so that I can reach them with the gospel because it breaks down walls and it breaks down barriers. And I think we can do that in the church and just say, I lay down my rights of what's songs I like to hear or how I like the service to be ordered or the color of the bulletins or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, and we can just rest secure in our standing before mm-hmm. the throne. Yeah. That's such a fantastic point because I think a lot of our, um, the conflicts that come up, at least I'm going to say for me, <laughs> when I go below the surface, it's about wanting to be accepted oh, yeah. and wanting yeah. other people to approve of my choices. And so when I'm getting defensive about my matter of conscience and, oh, I'm yeah. going to send a child to this school this year and none of my other friends are, <laughs> or you know, I'm going to start doing whatever this thing is and none of my other friends are doing that. That's probably coming from an, a mm. place of identity and needing mm. to yeah. say, mm, nope, I am secure in Christ. I'm making this decision with my own husband yeah. before the throne of God. And so I, I think I wonder if some of those conscience conflicts that come up in the church are less because, man, we just feel so passionate about our schooling choice or our food choice and more we feel passionate about fitting in and having yeah. people approve of us. That is such a good point. Because I mean, I even think like, if my daughter's watching a movie and someone comes over to the house, I want to be like, oh, well, you know, she doesn't normally watch a movie. Yeah. Usually oh, this yeah. is just, it's just like a special day. <laughs> yeah, totally. Definitely explain that just- away. <laughs> like, I just want to justify myself because God. it's like, this is my identity as a good mother is what I do <laughs> with my child. And so, yeah, you're so right. It is absolutely an identity issue. And it's so clear when we get like so defensive or have to like explain everything away. But thinking about identity, I absolutely agree. And I'm right there with you. But while you were talking, Laura, I thought of how much better we could be about all this if we even valued our fellow sisters identities in Christ. Mm. You know, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about how our union with Christ unites us with fellow believers. And I think sometimes if we value their unity with Christ and realizing like we're connected and Mm. we shouldn't let these little things like try to break that up. It can't break that up, but even just cause disunity, even in a small way. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so just valuing other people in that way will help us love them better. I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it makes me think of that verse. And again, back to Romans 14, if you haven't heard (laughs) from it enough, Romans, go read it. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Romans 14, 17 says for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy spirit. And so if we can value that in our brothers and sisters, that we would have peace with them because we are united in the things that are, that are of God and the things that are clear. And if we can seek their joy as they are edified and encouraged in God and in his word, and if we can seek their righteousness, not by like shoving our viewpoints down their throat, (laughs) but by being willing to, like you ladies said, develop these relationships where we can have those hard conversations. And it's not about I'm in this camp and you're in this camp, but it's about, hey, we're all one body and we need to grow up together into Christ as the Mm -hmm. head. And I think that has huge implications for our witness as a church. Um, Can you kind of 
talk a little bit more about how the way we engage with our personal conscience can impact unbelievers? Building on what you're saying, Stephanie, what a witness it would be if so, you know, the culture is fighting on mommy wars because moms outside of Christ, they feel like maybe they have to find their identity in a camp or in being a certain type of mom. So these are their life is on the line issues. Mm-hmm. And what if in the church somebody noticed, man, how come Christians aren't having conflict over this kind of thing? It seems like moms can get along and make a lot of different yeah. choices. What a witness that would be that maybe they're mm-hmm. finding their hope and their identity and their joy in something else because— yeah. They're not on the front lines of these wars feeling like my motherhood is gone if I can't achieve this or win this or have this a certain way. And so I see that for a lot of issues within the church is that if we can have unity where the world is fighting, hopefully people could see that we are rallied around something that's unchanging Mm -hmm. and that's bigger than us. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great place to end on just, you know, letting our unity just... um, magnify Christ because that's what we want to do on this platform. I know that's what you guys are striving to do on Mm -hmm. your platform at Risen Motherhood. So thank you guys for coming and spending a a little portion of your afternoon and having this really helpful conversation with us on our conscience. And, you know, at least I think it was a sweet time of just building each Mm, other up. Definitely. Like you Mm -hmm. read, Joanna, in righteousness, peace, and joy. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing we like to do to end our conversation is ask our guests just a few fun questions. So I'm going to start us off here. What is a favorite thing of yours lately? Mm. Oh, I'm going to (laughs) answer. I I wrote something in and I changed my answer today. Um, It's the pool. It's warm weather. Mm. Um, We have just had a really long winter here in Iowa. In fact, I feel like it hasn't gone away. It is almost (laughs) June and I sent a child off to school this morning with a coat. And yeah. It's in the 90s here. Uh, Yeah. So in the winter, my husband and I always make a note to look at each other and go, remember what this feels like to not complain (laughs) when it is hot outside. So over the weekend it was in the 80s i was sweating at the pool i was covered in sunscreen and i was just sitting there thinking i'm so happy right now (laughs) i love this heat i love this heat so i'm bring it on bring it on summer i'm ready for the heat um okay so my favorite thing lately uh this is gonna sound uber spiritual so i promise that i have lots of little other favorite things but it is the sabbath uh i Mm. have been very terrible at slowing down and taking breathers and uh, i've just been living life at a very very fast pace over the past couple of years and, uh, struggled through some burnout over the past year. Um, and I was sort of forced to study the Sabbath and look into what it really meant for a Christian. And, um, I always just kind of felt like, ah, freedom from the gospel, you know, what we're talking about a little bit today. Uh, And I kind of use it as an excuse to not really study what it meant for my life and how that should look. And, it has been so restorative in my life to truly employ rest on the Sabbath and uh, to just learn how it, it matters to me and it matters to my spiritual health, health, my emotional health, my physical well-being, that God um, created me with limits and that Sundays are now actually my favorite day of the week. Mm-hmm. And I just look forward yeah. to them so much. Um And so God has just been really gracious. I feel like I could cry thinking about how good it is to learn to rest in Jesus and his work that's been done on the cross for me. And I'm so thankful that there is a physical representation that I can take each week to remember that he is still on the throne, that he is still the Lord of all, that he will carry his plan with or without me. He does not need me. And so I'm so grateful for that. And that is like, it's just my favorite right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. It's been fun. I've been kind of following along with you working through that on mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm, yeah. The lovely yeah. world of social media. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The second question is, what is currently on your nightstand? Mm. This was kind of fun. So my nightstand is, is empty inside because I am married to a near minimalist husband minimalist for <laughs> sure like total all in. cool and so every probably like quarter it's like okay we clean out every drawer we go down to like almost zero and it's it's good but um on top of my nightstand I like to try to stack as many things as possible <laughs> until they like are about to fall down on mm-hmm. me at night so I've got a, a simple little Kleenex box 
And I've got uh, She Reads Truth Bible with my Bible reading plan in there. I'm trying to read through the Bible in a year. I'm behind, but it's right there by my bed. I've got a well-watered women journal. I'm just kind of like dropping mm, little. We love Gretchen. Well-watered women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just I've had this journal forever um, that I try to write some thoughts down in, and then I have three different books. I've told Laura about this. I've been reading a book called like Wholeheartedness. See, I don't even know what it's called. Um, but <laughs> I think Chuck DeGroat. He's a therapist. Really mm-hmm. interesting yeah. stuff. Um, and then I have a book by like Kevin DeYoung and Tony Reinke right now on my nightstand that I want to read. But realistically, they're going to sit there for. Months. Months. And then I'm going to put them back on my shelf. (laughs) What about your nightstand, Laura? Um, Okay, so currently I have a live plant. I love plants. My mom had a green thumb. I have a light green thumb, so (laughs) I try to channel it where I can. I love it. Um, I have a watercolor painting from my husband and I's trip to Paris last year, which was so amazing. And then I have just a picture of my girls and I and um, the book I'm currently reading. So I read lots of books all throughout the day. But I always keep only one on my nightstand because that's the one that I want to work through and get through. And I read one chapter a night. Um, that's pretty, smart. pretty, pretty, um, I want to say religiously, but that feels inappropriate. Um, I, I read it very consistently one yeah. chapter a night. So I'm reading uh, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion by Rebecca McLaughlin. It's an apologist, apology, apologetics book. There we yeah. go. This is what I'm looking mm. for. And it's been really fascinating, really interesting. She has a ton of research and science to like back up all of these um, arguments against the Christian faith. And so it's just been both fascinating to read, but also very equipping, you know, when you want to um, talk with other people and share the gospel, maybe some of their arguments that they might say, well, Christianity, doesn't that hate women or don't they, isn't it not very diverse or different things like that? Um, she really unpacks each of those and sounds awesome yeah i'm totally endorsing this book hardcore (laughs) sorry we will link it on our show yeah check it out check it out if anyone's interested yeah Yeah. i'm sold yeah Yeah. i'll I'll check it out yeah um i love these questions because i love hearing what other people are reading yeah yeah it's fun yeah (laughs) well what is one resource emily that has most stirred your affection for god's word Ooh, resource um yeah, I was thinking kind of broad with this one yeah. and, and kind of going back in the day when I first became a believer, mm-hmm. trying to think about how long ago this was now, 13, <laughs> 13 years ago. Um, shortly after that, I used to uh, drive like a 35-minute commute to and from college. And oh, wow. um, I hadn't necessarily grown up in a church that did like exegetical preaching and so I wasn't super familiar with that. And I remember I would listen to radio preachers preach from the word of God. And it was just, I was almost like addicted to listening to and from because I just couldn't believe all of the things that they were mining from God's word and the way that they were applying it. And then um, Mm. shortly after that, I got involved in like an international Bible study. um, And it was just amazing and so impactful for me to be with women from a lot of different denominational backgrounds a lot of different ages, and really just come to the Word probably for the first time. I mean, this was over a decade ago, but just to really study it and be Mm -hmm. challenged to see what was in it. And it just like ignited a fire for me that hasn't gone out. So it's just, when I look back, that was probably a major turning point for me. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. What about you, Laura? Yeah, most stirred my affection. I have to go back to my parents. I was just really Mm -hmm. blessed to be raised in a Christian home and to never know a day without Jesus. And so um, I wouldn't say like, oh, they were so into theology or they were so into like, you know, really catechizing us or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But they faithfully love Jesus. And I saw them reading God's word day in and day out. We read the Psalms together before school as a family. You know, they read our birthday Psalm and just lots of um, traditions where I saw them loving Jesus in just a really humble, faithful way. That was, has been really challenging to me now as a mom of understanding kind of how hard that really is to fit in your day. And, and, um, that they let me see their walk with the Lord. I felt like my parents never hid the struggle. They never hid that it was hard or that there were moments of doubt or that there was um, just confusion at times even in following the Lord, but their faith didn't waver. Um, Mm. 
And so I was so thankful for that picture. And I think that they were very influential for just learning to love God and his word, even kind of um, when it was hard. And then I think one other thing I would say is, um, you know, again, thinking about some of the bigger impacts on, on me that I've had some of the things that have had the biggest impact on me of reading God's word would just be also Emily. Um, oh, she's shocked. She's shocked. You shouldn't be shocked. You shouldn't be shocked. Um, I would say, you know, like we became sister-in-laws, um, golly, um, 10 years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago, Aww. Emily was pretty different than she is now. I was pretty different too. Oh, she's like <laughs> batting her eyes with an angel face. Um, but I would say that we were very, very different women. Um, mm. I always liked her, but what I'm trying to say is that it was, it's been amazing to get to grow and follow Jesus with her mm. and have a front row seat to her transformation. I think that I've seen a lot of it happen Mm. to see just her zeal and zest for God's word and knowing it and understanding it and the passion to like be accurate and to handle it with just, Mm. um, care and Mm. how precious it is to her has been challenging to me to, um, just want to kind of keep up with her in some ways and to want to kind of say, I want to love Jesus like that. And I don't want to just like, like I'm emotional, more, more relational than, than maybe you are in some senses. Um, but seeing Emily's desire for like, just steadfast, truly understanding God's word from the inside out, exactly what God said, um, and being accurate and careful. And, and like I said, handling it rightly has been really, really a gift to me. Um, just to get to watch her do that and then be challenged to want to do the same because Aww. I love seeing the way she loves Jesus. Aww. Aww. So sweet. I, know. I feel like you guys You're should welcome. hug now. <laughs> we are next to We're hugging. You can't see us. <laughs> that is really beautiful though. Um, I agree. Just seeing someone grow and seeing like God's transforming power in someone, it's like, oh, it's yeah. contagious. It's really mm-hmm. powerful. It is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies, I know that I personally have been edified and encouraged by this conversation with you all today. Um, And, you know, seriously, just thank you so much for joining us. I think we could probably talk for like three more hours on this topic. Yeah, for sure. This has been really fun. Just barely scratched the surface. Um, But for all of our listeners out there, we really highly recommend to go and check out Risen Motherhood podcast if you haven't yet. Um, Been a great source of encouragement for me. Um, Just that freedom that we have in the gospel. And don't forget to pre-order the new book of the Mm. same title, Risen Motherhood, (laughs) coming out a week from today. So um, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. It's been a joy. Yeah, thanks. And for all of you listening, um, if you would like to check out resources that were mentioned today and scriptures that we talked about, you can find them on our show notes at dailygracepodcast.com. And we will talk to you once again next Tuesday. 